Alright, well go ahead. Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 15. And we're going to read verse 16 and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 33. But this morning I want to preach a message on... just I want to talk about how we can have strong growth in the church. Okay, as a, I think every everybody that's a member of a church, I think especially every pastor... Uh, for sure, they want their church to grow. I, I hope you all want this church to grow. I hope you I hope you want to grow spiritually in your own life. And as much as I want to see growth, as much as I want to see this building full, and as much as I like to think of maybe even expanding and things like that, it's very important that if we have growth, that it's the right kind of growth and that it's strong growth. And... Um, in, in the Bible, I think we can see very clearly how we can have strong growth, how we can have the right kind of growth. There's even things in nature that we can look at to just to help us understand what it takes to grow in the right way and to have strong growth. And so, in John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus says, "Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit." And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We are supposed to bring forth fruit. And then notice how he said, and that your fruit should remain. Okay, I believe when God wants us to accomplish, he wants us to accomplish something, but he wants us to accomplish something that will last. He wants something that will be around for a little while. I, you know, when we started Liberty Baptist Church, you know, the goal was for this church to still be going. When Jesus returns, and I don't know how long that's going to be till He returns, but that is the goal. And so, if we're going to be a church that's still around when Jesus Christ returns, we need to make sure we have the right kind of growth, that we have strong growth, because we are living in a day and a time when churches are not growing, they're shrinking. When churches are closing down all the time, at the very time we came and started the church here, there were several churches in the area that were closing their doors, that were closing down. I remember I went to the newspaper and um, I was asking, uh, you know, we were putting some articles in there, and I was talking to one of the ladies, and they, she was asking if she could add us to the church directory that they had in there. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And she, I remember she made the comment. She said, wonderful. She said it's going to be nice adding a church into the directory. She said I've been taking a lot out because so many were closing down, and even amongst good Baptist churches today, many. Uh, good Baptist churches, they are they're dwindling in number. They're they're shrinking, and we're trying in a time when what we do is becoming less popular. We're trying to, you know, get something going. We're trying to grow, and and we are, and it's been slow. But I believe at the same time that's not a bad thing. I, I do not believe that's a really a bad thing. And sometimes you know the quick growth, which is what we all like, that's not good growth. Most of the time, that's not strong growth. Look at Acts chapter five and verse thirty-three. After this is shortly after the disciples have started their ministry, they're going and they're winning people to Christ, and there is a great movement that's been started. You know, the day of Pentecost has happened. We know where the, we see the story where the three thousand were saved and where the five thousand were saved, and they had large growth going on during this time. I mean, there this is a great movement that's taking place. And I'm not going to stand up here too and tell you if something grows big and it grows fast, it's bad growth. Okay, Because clearly this wasn't bad growth. But 
here they, they've got the disciples. They're trying to stop them from spreading the Gospel. And they're, but they're, they're preaching to them. In verse 33 of Acts 5, it says, "...when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them." They're like, we've got to shut these guys up. And they wanted to kill them. And it says, "...then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space." And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up uh, Theudas, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. So here's a guy. He quickly gets a group of 400 people together. How did he get this group of 400 together? He boasted on himself. He convinced everybody he was something really great. And man, he had a following of 400 people. But you know what? That guy got killed and his people all scattered and his movement ceased to exist. And after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Okay, same thing. Another guy raised rises up and had a big movement, a big following, but it went away. Verse 38, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel of this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. And to them they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them and let them go. And if you go on and read, the apostles, they didn't listen to him, did they? They kept on preaching in Jesus' name. And I think that's a great story. But here this man, Gamaliel, he's a lost man. But at the same time, he had enough wisdom to understand if this is something that's of men, it's not going to last. And it's a, if it's of God, we can't stop it. The last thing we want to do is fight against it. And I'm afraid today that many churches today that everyone's wanting to pattern themselves after are ones that are it's not that it's only of men. There are so many movements going on right now amongst Christians and even amongst Baptists that I can't even keep up with them anymore. And these th- one of the things I'm seeing is these things they don't last. I mean, I you know how many church plants I know of since we've started this church that have been that people have tried them doing all this new stuff, doing whatever's you know hip and trendy, and it fizzles out, it doesn't last. And at the same time though, many of these people, when they have started, they have grown their churches really fast. They've had bigger congregations than we do right now, but at the same time, they're not lasting. And I don't want that. I want us to have a church that's still going to be going strong when Jesus returns. So how do we how do we grow the church? I don't want to act like you know being small is a wonderful attribute. I remember one time a person uh, was talking about a big church that has many people, and they were telling me there is no way that church is preaching the gospel. If they were preaching the gospel, they wouldn't have that many people. And it's like, no, you can't say that. Just because a church is big doesn't mean they're bad, and just because a church is small doesn't mean they're good. Okay. But at the same time, we do want to have the right kind of growth. We want to produce some fruit 
that will remain. And so if we're going to do that, first off, we've got to have a realistic plan. Okay? Because there are some things that you can do that can, that can give you some big growth, that can give you some immediate results. And don't we all love immediate results? And of course, it's January, it's shortly after the new year, and what's everybody into right now in the new year? You know, we're all, everybody's into weight loss, right? And so, you know, to kind of illustrate this, you know, there are things that you can do to help you lose weight quickly, but they won't help you in the long term. For example, you think about the target weight that you want to hit, and I can tell all of you how you can get to that weight in a short time. Quit eating. Just quit eating, and eventually you will be at that weight. Okay? But here's the thing. Can you live life without eating? No. You can, now, you could, if you want, you could go a week without eating and you'll lose a lot of weight. You'll see a lot of immediate results. But is that even healthy? No, that, you know, that's not healthy to do that. You know, it's the, uh, when it comes to weight loss, you, know, you, you kind of have to get rid of it the same way you put it on, don't you? You know, little by little. It's a very slow process. You know, there's got to be like a change in the lifestyle but and just not eating. Okay? You can't do that. You can't maintain that. Uh, you know, and some of the people's, you know, plans are unrealistic. You cannot live life eating nothing but vitamins and barley green and, you know, you're you're just not going to do that, okay? So you've got to come up with some kind of plan that you can live your life by. Okay? Uh, for example, you know, I'm going to give you all a revelation here you might not have known, but did you all know that reality television isn't reality? Okay? I know I just blew you all away right there, but what you see on reality TV is not reality. For example, okay, The Biggest Loser is a, is a, a very well-known, popular show. I think they're still making those. But you know, those people, they go on there and they lose... A ton of weight, don't they? Are you saying they're not really losing the weight? No, they're they're really losing the weight. And that show is supposed to inspire people to lose weight, right? But here's the thing. How many of you can quit your job right now, go live on a ranch for months where people are screaming at you, where you do nothing but exercise, and where they prepare healthy food for you? Okay, who can do that right now? Okay, we can't do that. You cannot go and just quit your job and... And at the same time, too, if you do really good, them give you, you know, a quarter million dollars or whatever they give. Okay, that's not reality, is it? Okay, if you're if you're going to lose weight, you've got to do it still working your job, still taking care of your family, still fulfilling all your responsibilities, still with all the temptations, driving by all the fast food restaurants, you know, and going into the grocery stores and seeing all the junk food. You have to, we have to do it like that, don't we? But those people, they go. And get famous, stay someplace where they are forced to do these things. Anybody could lose weight there, okay? But how many people actually get to do that? What twenty people or something a year? That's not reality, you know. And so, and mo, and many church plants sometimes, okay. And when it comes to church plants, like we did, many of them have a very unrealistic beginning too, Our, ourselves included. And I'm not. I'm not bashing this at all. I don't think it's a bad thing. But you know, there's things that you can do to jumpstart a church plant, just like there's things that you can do to jumpstart a diet. Okay, if you're wanting to go on a diet, go fast for a few days. You'll get some immediate results. It will help, but you can't do these things all the time. 
like when we started the church here, okay, I was still getting a full-time salary from my other church. I had there was people from receding Illinois that came out here and that we didn't have to pay any money. They did it all on their own expense. And eight hours a day, four days a week, we were knocking doors out here. We had other churches bring groups of people out here. We had a couple churches bring busloads of people out here to pass out flyers and to help canvas the area. You know, the newspaper did a front page story on our church that got us a lot of attention. And that, as a result of that, we had some great results that first day, didn't we? I mean, we had a ton of people that came out that first day. But here's the thing. Do we always have an, you know, an army of people that can be out doing that? You know, the churches, they're not bringing busloads to come out and help us knock doors every week. And I'm not saying I don't expect them to, but those things kind of help give a jump start. And there's a lot of guys that I know that have started church plants and they have, they've had a ton of help and they have great starts, but then, after that first year, they're kind of on their own, and then it all seems to dwindle and fall apart. And because really, that that all that stuff that happens at the start, it is a blessing, but it's not reality. You know, they have churches that are other churches that are giving them financial support, and it goes away. And listen, you know, there are things you know, there are things that we could do that would help grow this church faster. You know, if we had month-long revival meetings. That would probably help. Think about a month long month long revival meeting. I know they used to do those back in the old days. They talk about that all the time. But you know what? Is that really gonna work just us having church every single day for a month? Can we all have church every day until the Lord comes? That's probably not gonna happen. Would it do us some good if for one month we did that? I think it would do us some good. I think we would benefit, however, if we go right back to the way things were before, what happened in that one month isn't going to produce anything. You know, what, another thing that would help grow this church fast, what if we just, you know, we got everybody in here to start going soul winning 40 hours a week? Do you not think we would see some results? Oh, we'd definitely see some results. But is that realistic to expect everybody to go out soul winning 40 hours a week? No, that's not, that's not realistic, is it? You know, and so if we're going to grow this church in the right way, we can't do, you know, we can't depend on things that can't be sustained. Okay? We've got to do things, we've got to do it in a way that is going to last for years, that, that we can do long term. You know, we can, if, another way we can get immediate results, get immediate visitors, what if we gave every visitor that came to church a $100 bill? How many think we would see some. A lot of increase in visitors. Okay, I mean, boy, I'd come in in disguise, you know, trying to pretend I was somebody else. You know, maybe wouldn't go that far. But can we sustain that? Can we do that forever? And a lot of people in their churches, they're doing things, especially in the beginnings, to start out that do help kind of give it a jump start that might work. But then after the dust settles, they're kind of on their own, and that's when things end up falling apart. And I thank God that you know we did. We had a great start, man. Those folks that came out from Seating, Illinois, and helped us—they were a blessing. They were here, but they stayed here until the grand opening service, and after that, they all went home. And I hated to see them go. <laughs> I told Brother Caleb Hanson, you know, he's pastoring in Minnesota now. I was like, um, hey, if you'd like to, you know, 
a job out here and you'd know, like to quit your full-time job there in Bourbon A, um, you know, I'd be glad to give you a job here at the church as assistant pastor for free. <laughs> he didn't take me up on it. I was kind of disappointed. But, um, you know, it, it was and it was. It was a great blessing. I'm thankful for it. We benefited from it greatly. However, what really makes a difference is after that. You know, it's, it's those months after. After the dust settles, how's it going to work? And many times, the things that everybody's looking at, seeing the rapid growth, seeing, you know, all those, you know, the big numbers and things, it's inflated, it's fake, it's not the real thing, and it's not going to last. And I want something that's going to last. And so we've got to have a realistic plan. What we have to do, we've got to start doing things the way God does, and we've got to look at the big picture. Okay. Now, we all do. And I remember, and nobody is here that has ever said anything like this to me. These people are all long gone. But I remember when we first started, there were several people that had that were coming that were kind of getting discouraged because... It's like, man, you know, it seems like it's taking the church a long time to grow. And it's like, well, you sure aren't helping by not coming anymore. <laughs> you know, but at this but what what were these people really saying? They were wanting to see more immediate results. In fact, these people too that were disappointed about not seeing any growth weren't really even doing anything in the church. They wanted to see something immediate and they didn't want to see any they didn't want to do any work. And you know what? That's just not gonna happen. If this church is going to grow in the right way, if it's going to grow strong, it's going to take faithfulness from all of you. It's going to take hard work from all of you. It's going to take a lot of prayer. You all need to be close to God. You can't just depend on one person. It's a group. It's a group effort by everybody and many people. I remember those early days. You know, it's like this is this is too slow for me. And so they move on to some of the rapid growing places, and you know that have already fizzled out since then, have already died out because it wasn't the real thing. And I believe we have the real thing here. And we've got to make sure we stay focused on the big picture. And Isaiah 46, verse 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none like Me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all My pleasure." When God looks at something, God sees the whole picture. God sees the end the same time He sees the beginning. What do you and I see? We see right now, don't we? And when God looks at us, and when God gives a plan in the Bible, God's not trying to, you know, He's, God's thinking about what the end result is going to be. What is going to be the end result of Liberty Baptist Church? Is it going to be us falling apart? and closing our doors, or is it going to be us faithfully serving until Christ comes? And so, as it be, because God's goal is for us to be faithfully serving Him, when He returns, there's going to be some things right now during the present that might not be what we want to see, but they are what are necessary for us to be at that final position, at that final goal. And I'm afraid that you know many people are so focused on the now, on the present, not thinking about the end, that they are making some huge mistakes, causing them to, like I said, literally explode. You know, and everybody loves an explosion, don't they? Okay, we all love explosions. We like to see the result. We like, you know, we like to see something on fire. But you know what? It usually, what's usually the result of an explosion? A big mess, isn't there? And 
You know, I love Fourth of July. I remember we were at a picnic one time, and this one guy that bought like these half sticks of dynamite and stuff, and we're just blowing things up. And it was fun. One guy he brought this powder. You shoot it. You have to shoot it with a high-powered rifle, and if the bullets flying at a fast enough speed, it makes the stuff explode. And we stuck it inside a microwave, and then they shot through there. And man, you should have seen an explosion. That was actually really stupid, but it was uh, it was fun to watch. I almost got hit with some some debris on that, but it creates a mess, doesn't it? We all like to watch it. And there are many churches right now that are literally exploding, but the result is going to be a mess. And we want good, strong growth. So we've got to be thinking about the ending. And in Exodus chapter 22, I want to show you something in Exodus chapter or 23. I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 23. I think this is really interesting because I had visions before we started this church. I was like, you know, there is no reason why when we go out there to start this church that it shouldn't just explode immediately. I mean, like there is no reason why after we start this church that I'm going to be full-time within six months to a year. I'll be calling up the churches that are supporting me, telling hey, we don't need your money anymore. Uh, man, the church is taking me on. I mean, I, I, saw, I, I thought, man, we're going to outgrow this building so fast it's not even funny. I, I, I thought those things. I did. I knew it was possible it wouldn't be that way. But I'm just going to admit, I, I saw it happening. I thought everybody's going to be clamoring to come to this place and hear me preach. I, you know, man, I was young, naive, whatever. However, looking back, I don't think that would have been a good thing. It, a lot of the things that I wanted and even asked for, I think could have resulted in this church literally exploding, being destroyed, and creating a mess. And in Exodus chapter 23, remember, God told Israel He was going to give them that land of Canaan, right? Hey, God said, it's yours. I'm going to give it to you. But He didn't give it to them all at once, didn't He? He didn't give it to them all at once. And there was a reason. I'm sure Israel would have liked to have had it all at once. But look what it says in Exodus 23:27. He said, I will send My fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Do you see that? God said, I can't give it to you all at once. If I give it to you all at once, okay, it's going to create other problems. If there's no people living in the land, the beasts are going to come into the land and then you're going to have problems with the beasts. So I'm going to give it to you little by little. And I was thinking about that when I read that passage. I was like, you know, if we would have had you know, 100 people right from the get-go, you know, what would we have done? You know, we couldn't have handled it. You know, there, there's a lot of things I want. You know, I, there's, there's a lot of different ministries and things I want for this church, but... We're not, we're not ready for it yet. And God knows that. And I believe God wants us having many things. I believe God wants us having bus routes. And I believe God wants us having different ministries in this church. But there are just some things we aren't, we're not ready for yet. And while I would like to have them yesterday, God knows that it would only cause problems today because we're not ready. And God looks at the big picture. We look at today... I want a hundred people here today. I want the place full 
today. But God knows, no, that's not going to give the right kind of growth. That's just going to create greater problems later. And so He says, I'm going to do it little by little, just like He did with Israel. I'm not going to... He said, hey, the land is yours, but I'm not giving it to you all at once. Okay? And I believe that God does the same thing with churches. He's looking at the big picture. God can't give us everything at once. There's some things we're just not ready for. And so what we have to do, we have to prepare to receive the blessings. And that's why I think it's so important that we're faithful with what God has given us now. Hey, let's use every bit of what God has given us now. Let's take care of this place. You know, Let's fill this place up. Let's use it to capacity. And I believe if we use everything God's given us, then He can give us more. Many people, they do. They, just, they sit around. They're always sitting around just waiting for God to just give them a million dollars. Well, you know what? Why don't you do something with $100 that you have right now and then see if maybe God will give you more later. We do. We all want the big things, but we're not willing to use the little things that God gives us. And if we're not going to be faithful in little things, we're not going to be faithful in the big things. And so let's use everything we have. Let's go ahead and let's prepare ourselves to receive the blessing. You know, we've talked about things like, you know, when we outgrow this place, you know, what will we do? You know, would we buy another place? Would we add on to this place? And the truth is, we're not ready for that. So what are we doing this year? We're trying to prepare ourselves for that. We're trying to pay off the mortgage here. We're trying to get ourselves in a financial position. So if an opportunity does come, if God is ready to give us a blessing, we're ready to receive it. We need to be prepared to, uh, you know, if the Lord if the Lord were to give us a bus, okay, well we got to have bus drivers, we got to have bus workers, we got to have people that are willing to work with the kids. We've got there's there's other things that we've got to have too, and if we don't have people that are willing to you know do uh, to work with the kids, people that are willing to drive the bus, people to go visit the kids, then why does God why should God give us a bus? We're not ready for it. It's just going to sit around and it's going to rust. It's going to fall apart. And so what we need to do, we need to try to prepare ourselves for these things. Hey, let's let's get busy. Let's go ahead and start some of these ministries. You know, do what we can and then see what God gives us. See what let's see what he does. And but unfortunately, many people get hurt because they almost are given too much. We see that all the time with, you know, rich people's kids. Okay? They have all this stuff handed to them. They have all this money handed to them, and what do they do with it? They blow it on things. They use it on drugs and stuff. You know, I think one of the reasons I've never been addicted to drugs is I can't afford it. No, I'm scared. I'm scared of it too, but I, I can't afford it. I've heard how much some of this stuff costs. I, I'm not spending my money on that. There's no way. You see these people that win the lottery and it ruins their life because they they were not ready to handle that type of money. And man, I'd love it if somebody gave a million dollars to the church. But are we ready as a church to handle a million dollars? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Obviously not. God hasn't given it to us yet. So why don't we prepare ourselves for these things? Prepare ourselves to receive the blessings. Be faithful with, with what God has given us. Let us use everything that God has given us to the best of our ability. And then I believe God can give us more. See, many times quick fixes come with long-term side effects. Okay? Oh, you know, we we got we got to fix this problem. You know, we've got 
the Wood family, as Brother Netterville likes to call them. Remember the Wood family he talked about? Talking about the empty pews. You can just see the wood on there. You know, we we got the Wood family sitting there in the front row. We've got to fix that. We've got to get we've got to get rid of them. And so what do we do a lot of times? We do quick fixes. Okay? We can bring in the rock bands and stuff like that. We can bring in the entertainment so we can fill the seats up, but there's long-term effects to that. Just like many people's diet plans, usually everybody just wants to take a pill, don't they? Everybody wants to just take a pill to fix all their problems, but many times those pills come with some serious side effects. And we can start doing things to attract more people, but many times those people that you attract from bringing in carnality end up giving the church a lot of trouble. They end up causing a lot of problems. First of all, they're not even really saved. They end up causing division. And you end up losing the good people that you have. Just because you're so desperate to get that number up there that you start sinning to do it and it ends up causing greater problems. So what do we have to do? We've got to wait on God. Matthew chapter 27, verse 14. If you'll turn over there real quick. or uh, Psalms 27, I'm sorry. Psalms 27, verse 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And this is the key to strong growth. You see, you know, we all like trees, right? You know, we all like having nice trees. But the nicest trees, the best trees, are the ones that take the longest to grow, aren't they? Aren't those usually the strongest trees? Aren't those the best trees? You know, like you think about the oak tree. The oak tree, it takes a long, long time to grow. But we all like oak furniture, don't we? I remember when we lived at the house in LaSalle, we would, you know, we cut a lot of wood for our wood burning stove. And this one guy had a tornado come through. And I don't remember the type of tree it was, but it blew down a bunch of trees. And it blew down, I mean, I can't remember how many it was. There was a huge pile of these trees that it blew down. And it blew down just a part of an oak tree. And man, I got a ton of firewood from that place. But that firewood that I got, those trees that all blew down so easy, I burnt through that stuff so fast. I mean, it it was worthless. But then that little bit of oak I got, I love that because that stuff, it burns long and it burns hot for a long time. But that other stuff, it was worthless. But that stuff, it grows fast. It gives those immediate results. You know, We all love seeing that growth. But strong growth doesn't happen overnight. We have to wait on the Lord. Psalms 1.1 Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Okay, There's a season for everything. And we don't always like waiting through the seasons, don't we? Right now, we're waiting through the winter season, aren't we? Like, come on, winter, you know, hurry up and get over and get us into spring. But, you know, we've got to wait. We're going to have to deal with it. It's still January, and it's going to be January for another, uh, you know, 14 days. And we're going to have February, too. And there's no skipping it, there's no getting around it. We've got to wait. And we do. We like to find shortcuts for everything, don't we? And for good, strong growth, there's, there are no shortcuts. We're going to have to wait and bring forth, the Bible says, bringeth forth this fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, 
but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And you see all these churches now that are doing it, whatever's new, what's ever trendy, whatever is popular, they're always getting blown all over the place. You never know what they're going to be doing five years from now or ten years from now. You never know if they're even going to be around. And I believe God wants us to be here when He returns. And so we've got to have strong growth. And we're not going to be able to do the... you know, We can't take the pills. We've got to do things the right way. Things that take long. You know, there's a reason that oak furniture is more expensive than others because it takes oak longer to grow, doesn't it? It takes, it takes a lot longer to grow, so it's going to cost more, but it is good, strong quality. Things that are oak you know, last longer than I, stuff that they even make furniture out of now. Like you go to Walmart and buy like the furniture there. I mean, that's not even wood, whatever it is they're using there. You know, and it doesn't last long, does it? And we've all got some of that furniture in our house, don't we? And we get frustrated with it. I've got some in my office right now. These drawers are just falling apart that don't work. You know why? It's not real wood. And it comes together real fast. And it's cheap. It's real cheap. And we can have a cheap church. We can have a, you know, a flashy looking church that looks good, that impresses people. But if we want something that's going to last, it's going to take some time. We're going to have to wait on the Lord. And I don't like it, but God's timing is not our timing. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Man, you know, I don't even like waiting a year for something. And a thousand years, it's all the same to God. And He's told us to wait on Him. And you know, waiting on the Lord, it's a lot harder for us than it is for Him. If we have to wait ten years or whatever, that's an eternity for us, isn't it? But for God, it's nothing. But understand, God knows best. And God is wanting to produce something here that is still going to be around when He returns. And we've got to wait on the Lord. And I mean, throughout the Bible, we see that theme. We've got to wait on the Lord. We've got to want to be more like God, but we just, we know we're supposed to be more like God. We say we want to be like God, but we don't like the process. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know Him. We all want to know Him, right? And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. We all like knowing about Him, but we don't like fellowshipping with the sufferings. We don't like knowing about that. And notice it says in verse 11, "...if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I might apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, for getting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before... I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect or complete, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Notice just the process. You know, knowing Him, knowing the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering. This is a process. This is a time. And Paul, he's like, I'm not, I'm not apprehended, but you know what? I'm moving forward. I'm I'm getting better. I'm heading towards that. And that's what we've got to do. And it takes a long time. Paul, man, he wanted to be like Christ. He wanted to be just like Christ, but he wasn't yet. 
And none of us will be completely like Christ until we see Him. But in the meantime, we've got, you know, we just got to work. We've got to be patient. We've got to wait on the Lord. You know, just like when it comes to building a good home and a family, having a good family, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. That's what the Bible says. You know, we're not just spinning our wheels when we, or we're just spinning our wheels when we try to accomplish something without God's help. We've got to have God's help in growing this church. And if we're going to have God's help, we're going to have to let God do things His way, aren't we? And what does Isaiah 40, verse 31 say? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. We've got to wait, we've got to wait on God. And I thank God that we, I do. I believe we're seeing progress here. I, you know, we're seeing growth. We're seeing. I believe our church is becoming stronger. I believe we're way better off than we were last year and the year before that. I believe we're seeing that. Is it as fast as I would like? No. I want it. I want it tomorrow. But are we going the right direction? That's the question. And we've got to be careful to not get to looking at what other people are doing. And seeing kind of those, you know, the rapid growth, the quick results, those things, they never last. And we've got, and so we've got to make sure that we look at things the way God does. He sees the end from the beginning. He looks at the whole picture. And the things that He's told us in His Word what to do, it's not about how to have a great present, but it's about how to have a great ending. You know, the end of the thing is the, the most important thing in in nature, we see that the, the things that are the strongest are the things that sometimes grow the slowest. They grow the, their roots; they grow deep. And I believe I believe we need to do that. We need to stay strong. We need to stay faithful. And I believe that God will give us that. And our season, boy, we'll we'll start seeing some great things, and uh, we'll start seeing some of those blessings that we've been wanting. But we're not going to see it until we're ready to handle it. God, just like God didn't give the children of Israel all the land at once, it would have come with some bad results. God is not going to give us everything we want all at once. I always appreciate when I hear about you know people in the church. Hey, hey, have you ever, you know, are we ever going to do this in the church? You know, have you ever thought about having this kind of ministry? And man, I do. I, I want people to have a vision. I want them to see things, you know, for the future that they want God to do here in this church. Things that they can be a part of. And I believe if we're faithful with what we have. And we that God will give us those things in time. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm thankful for some of the results that we've already seen. It, it's exciting. It's encouraging. And I'm wanting to see more. And so what we're going to just have to do is stay faithful and not get sidetracked. And you'll be blessed for it. So with that, let's all stand together. How we can have strong growth. I want to be like that tree.